Thank you, Mike and John. Appreciate that. We are in our Bibles in the book of Colossians in the New Testament. which is page 1168 in the Pew Bibles. This morning, we, we just started this last week, and so this morning we're going to continue. We'll cover verses 3 through 8 this morning, but I'm going to read all the way down through the first 23 verses of, the, of chapter 1 as we read it, just to get Paul's spirit-inspired spirit flow of thought, the train of thought, uh, just before we do, let's just ask God's help again. Precious Lord, we thank you for your word. <clears throat> thank you for this prison letter that Paul wrote to the believers in Colossae. Thank you that your Holy Spirit guided his hand as he wrote. Thank you, Lord, that we have before us your very word Lord, would you help us? Can, thank you. We, we were able to worship you in song, and now would you help us to worship you in and over your word as we ponder over it? And then, Lord, we want to sit under it, and we want to ask, would you please come and shape us by your word as we focus on it in the next few moments? <clears throat> how we thank you for the hope that is ours through the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray all of this in his name. Amen. So Colossians chapter 1, the first 23 verses. <clears throat> Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it, as it, it, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. <clears throat> Just as you learned it from Epaphras, 
our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, that is the Son, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, out of which I, Paul, became a minister. The word of the Lord. You could see it right there at the end, Paul's concern that these people... Stay with Christ. They stay steady, continuing in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that they heard. And I mentioned this last week, but the main reason Paul wrote this, he he wanted to encourage these believers, but he was really concerned because he heard through Epaphras that there were some coming into Colossae and teaching... Teachings that were under the banner of Christ, but in a way to distract people from Jesus Christ, as, as though they were saying, you've got Jesus, that's good, but you also need to keep these Jewish feast days, Sabbath days, uh, so on and so forth. And they were saying things that were, were making the Colossians get shaky in their faith. And Paul's writing this to help them to realize what a treasure they have in Jesus, to hold on to Jesus Christ. And I was just thinking, 
And, and really, um, the first 25, 23 verses which I read are real, really all key off of that first phrase in, in verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, when we pray for you. This is, this is one long section of giving thanks to God for what God is doing in the Colossian believers. And, and I think he's doing that to encourage them that you are on the right track. You've got, you have embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He is all that we need. I was just thinking this morning as I was going to, uh, as preparing, um, <clears throat> just think if somebody gave you a gift at great cost to themselves, and that gift was a key, a special key, that would unlock every treasure chest in the world. But not just unlock it, but somehow beam you toward it so you could find it. Like at the bottom of the ocean in the pirate ships or, or in a cave somewhere. I mean, just think of a key that would lead you to every treasure on earth. And, and let's say somebody gave you that gift at great cost to themselves. <clears throat> I, 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 I read this ver verse last week, but I just want to... Read it again, chapter 2, verses, the last part of verse 2 into verse 3. Uh, well, just verse 2 and 3. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That is a sweeping statement. That's a sweeping statement. What Paul is saying is, in Jesus Christ are hidden all the treasures of God's wisdom and knowledge. Everything you could ever want is found in Jesus Christ. And so the key that God, uh, the, the, the illustration is someone giving at great cost to themselves a key that would open every treasure chest. That's what God has given us in Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul wanted these Colossian believers to re recognize and to treasure. And so this morning, the theme, the theme is going to be thankfulness for what God has given us in Christ. Give thanks to God for what he's given us in Christ. And specifically this morning in the first uh, verses 3 through 8, specifically thanking him for our faith and our love and our hope of glory. <clears throat> Just wanted to mention, this book is loaded with thankfulness. If You've got it open here, so just turn with me if you would. Uh, seven times, I counted seven times the theme of thankfulness is mentioned. First of all, verse 3, we already said, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. And then dropping down to verse 12, <clears throat> giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share an in inheritance of the saints in light. So not only was Paul thankful for the Colossians, he wanted the Colossians to be giving thanks 
to the Father for qualifying them. And then if you turn over to... Chapter 2, verse 3, or verse 7, um, 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. <clears throat> so Paul wanted the Colossians to just be abounding in thanksgiving for what they had in Jesus Christ. And then if you drop down, um, to uh, verse, chapter 3, verse 15. Chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. As it sounds like a repetition, doesn't it? Like Paul's trying to make a point. The Spirit of God through Paul's pen is trying to make a point to be thankful. And if you're there in verse 15, just keep on reading. 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. (laughs) And whatever you do, In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And then finally, over in chapter 4, verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So if someone gave you a key that would unlock every treasure, it would be fitting for you to be thankful. If they gave it to you at great cost to themselves, it would be fitting for you and appropriate for you to be very thankful. And that's what Paul's doing in this section today. In uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, he's expressing his thankfulness to to God for them. And he says, every time we pray for you, always when we're praying for you, I give thanks. We always thank God for you. That's a beautiful thing. Whenever you're praying for someone, your heart is full of thanks. And what was causing Paul's thankfulness? He says it in verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. He heard from Epaphras about how these believers had turned to Christ and trusted him. They had faith in Christ, and they also loved all the saints, even those traveling through town to be sent on their way. The Colossian believers loved all the saints. And Paul is thankful to God for that. And, you know, uh, I think it's interesting that both are mentioned in the same breath, faith and love for the saints, because our faith is invisible. I mean, I can't see your faith. But the Bible says faith becomes visible when it works through love. Galatians 5, um, verse 6 says, In Christ, I'll just go read it real quick, um, because I'll misquote it if I don't. Galatians 5, verse 6, Paul writing to that group of believers, 
says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. <clears throat> the Bible teaches us that when we, have, when we genuinely come to that place where we trust Christ's love for us, we love Him back. We love Him because He first loved us, but when we realize and we believe in the love that He has for us, we love Him back. We love Him in return. And that faith becomes visible when we love Him in return and Loving him in return looks like loving others in his name. And, and I don't just mean, like we talked in Sunday school today, not just in word or in talk, like, hey, I love you, see you next week, but as we sacrifice of ourselves for one another. Paul recognized there was a sacrifice going on in this Colossian church in the name of Christ, for each other, and he was thanking God for that. <clears throat> Notice he doesn't thank them. He's thanking God, because this is a work of God. When God works in a person's heart and helps them to believe in the love that he has for them in sending his only begotten son, that's a work of God. Faith is a gift from God. And then when that faith bubbles over in love to God and love to others, that's a work of God too. <clears throat> you know what we naturally do? We naturally love ourselves. <clears throat> we naturally sacrifice for ourselves and our own pleasures and our own comforts. We don't naturally sacrifice for others. But when the love of God infects us with that good infection, we give our money. We give our time, we give our ears, we give our homes, we give our health up in the name of Jesus for the good of others. And that stands out. And Paul says, every time I pray for you, every time we pray for you, we just thank God for your faith and your love for all the saints. And then he mentions where the, all of that springs from. Look at verse um, Excuse me. Verse 5. Because of the hope that's laid up for you in heaven. <clears throat> of this you heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. Some translations say because of your confident assurance of what is reserved for you in heaven. <clears throat> you know, when God reveals his love to us, he doesn't just forgive us of our sins, but He promises everlasting life with Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life with Him. And in His presence is fullness of joy. At His right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I mean, it was really fun last night at the Fall Family Fest. And I like apple cider and donuts. But you know, all those things are just a whisper. They're just a whisper of what Jesus is preparing for us. And when we see him, the Bible says, we're going to be like him. Because we will see him as he is. Now, some scholars wonder if that means 
will have to be made like him in order to handle the view of seeing him as he is, or seeing him as he is will actually be the thing that changes us to make us like him. Either way, we're going to see him as he is, and we're going to, because of that, we will be made like him. And you know what being made like him will be? Faultless, without any spot or wrinkle, with exceeding great joy. You know, the thing that dampens this life, I mean, we have fun times like last night, but there's always something in this broken world that dampens our joy. The hope that is laid up for Christians is a hope of glory, of being with the Lord face to face with nothing to dampen our joy. Actually, I believe the Bible points to only the opposite, only things that will over time beyond time into eternity, will amplify that joy, the magnitude of that joy in his presence. What an awesome thing. And I, Brothers and sisters, I don't know if you think, I don't know if I think of this as much as, as we should, but the Bible says, think of this, think of this. Set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus returns. <clears throat> 1 John, that, that passage I was mentioning earlier, we'll go see him, we'll be like him because we'll see him as he is. And he who has this hope riveted on him purifies himself even as he is pure. We're going to stand before Jesus faultless with great joy. <laughs> That's a hope. That's a hope that was driving the faith and the love of these Colossians. That's what they were banking on, the promise of their Savior. And Paul is giving thanks for, to God for them. <clears throat> he goes on to say, uh, Of this you heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which came to you as indeed in the whole world, it's bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Um, so no, notice the repetition of truth. Verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you heard before in the word of truth, and then down a little later, uh, you understood the grace of God in truth. So the gospel, he sums up as the word of truth or the grace of God in truth. And he wants these Colossians to realize they have got a hold. This gospel is the truth. You don't need to keep the Sabbath days or the feast days in order to experience the tabernacle fullness of God's presence. All the fullness of God dwells bodily in Jesus Christ. If you have the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have all that God can give you. Now, yes, we're walking through a veil of tears now. We don't see all of all of Christ yet, but we will. And if you are in Christ today, you don't need other things. And Paul is wanting to drill that in. He keeps saying the, the word of truth, the grace of God in truth. This is the truth. And uh, so... <clears throat> He mentions, he, he ends by re reciting again their love. Verse 7, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, 
He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit, your love that is produced by God's Spirit. As I was preparing this message, I couldn't help but think of the power of the hope that is laid up for us. There is power. If we, Jesus has promised us glory. He's promised us we're going to rule and reign with him. We're going to judge angels. I don't know what that means, but there's going to be some sort of co-regency with Christ throughout eternity. It's going to be really, really good. We'll be in his presence with fullness of joy. Jesus told his followers, don't get your main joy from the fact that you can exercise demons out of people. Get your main, don't get your main joy from the fact that I've given you authority over evil spirits. Get your main joy from this. Your names are written in heaven. That's a, that's a very instructive passage. Jesus says, get your main joy from the fact that your names are written in heaven. And I just wonder today, maybe there would be more power of faith and sacrificial love if we, if we treasured the fact that our names are written in heaven. If we knew, if we had assurance that my name is written in heaven. I've, I've talked about this illustration before, but you go to weddings, you know what I'm talking about. You go to weddings and then you go to the reception and you, you, usually at the reception there's a big old poster board and it has everybody's name, the guests on it, and it tells you what table you're sitting at. And you go over to the table and sure enough, there's your name. And it kind of makes you feel like, oh, I got a spot. Okay, they're expecting me. Now just think of that in heaven, your name is written at a spot. Isn't that sweet? Now, I talk to a lot of people and I, I know my own heart because of my sins, because of the broken world that I live in because of violent temptations at times and because sometimes it feels like for some mysterious reason God, his line is busy or else he's not answering the phone or something. It just feels like there's a wall between me and heaven. Sometimes I wonder and I, sh I get shaky in my own assurance. Am I sure my name, Drew Woods, is written down in heaven? And sometimes, because of different reasons, our assurance can be shaken. And the Bible has remedies for that. Second Peter. I just want to read some verses out of Second Peter chapter 1. You can just listen if you want, or you can follow along if you want. Second Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 3. This, this is... I think a prescription for how to grow in our assurance that our names are written there in heaven. His divine power has granted to us all things. This is 2 Peter 1, starting at verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us 
to His own glory and excellence, by which He's granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ." For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think Peter's talking about assurance there. I think when he says, be all the more diligent to make certain his calling and election of you, he's saying, if you will practice these things, lay hold of those promises, and it's by those promises we become partakers of the divine nature, escaping the corruption that's in the world by sinful desire, and it's by those promises that we can add to our faith virtue, and to our virtue knowledge, and to our knowledge self-control, and steadfastness, and godliness, and brotherly affection, and love. And practicing those things, our assurance will grow. There's a great power. One of the old Puritans wrote a book on gospel assurance, and he, he called, the title of his book was Heaven on Earth. Because if you can read your title clear to mansions in the sky, you can say, let storms like a wild deluge come. If I can read my title clear, I'm good. I will wipe my weeping eyes, and I will go to be with Jesus. There's a song. I'm, I'm trying to remember the words, but I can't remember. When I can read my title clear, it's a great song. And uh, I think it's talking about assurance. So may God help us to lay hold of his promises and pray that he will help us to grow in assurance. And secondly, I think this passage, like I mentioned earlier, the main point is thankfulness for the work of Christ within us. Let us thank God for his work within us. Has he, done, has he shifted your desires away from sin and toward him? Has he put in your heart impulses of sacrificial love? Have you seen him make you do things that don't make sense from the world's perspective, but are loving to your fellow man, especially to your brothers and sisters in Christ? Is he leading you down, down the path of self-sacrificial love? Thank him. Give him thanks. Those are, those are works of God. Those are works of God. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. And you know what? Here's the good news. The work that he starts in us, he will finish in us. He will finish in us the work, the good work that he started. So let us, let us ask God for greater assurance that our names are written down. And let us 
ask him to give us a fitting thankfulness for the Lord Jesus Christ, who at great cost to himself has given us the world and heaven besides. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as I mentioned last week, we know there are many satanic forces at work in our world, in our culture, to try to pull us away from Jesus Christ, to try to diminish the beauty and the glory and the luster and the treasure that is Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord God, save us. Save us from all demonic distractions that would distract us from Jesus. Save us from our own sinful selfishness that would distract us from Jesus. Lord, would you lift up to us the infinite treasure that is Jesus Christ. Lord, you loved us so loved the world that you sent your Son to overcome every barrier that could keep us from enjoying you forever and ever and ever. How we praise you for that. Lord, how we praise you that you told us that if we humble ourselves and cry out to you for mercy and, tr- and lean the weight of our souls on Jesus, that you will save everyone who calls on the name of the Lord And you will write our names in heaven in the Lamb's book of life. Lord, I I just pray that you would help us to grow. As we walk with you, would you help us to grow in our assurance that our names are written there in your presence in heaven and that our destiny will be to be with you forever. And would you use that assurance, that growing assurance, to dislodge more sin in our lives, more stubborn, besetting sins, and to unleash all kinds of risk-taking actions of love in the name of Jesus among us. And Lord, would you help us to be a people who are just overflowing with thankfulness. You have not treated us as our sins deserve. But as far as the east is from the west, so far you have removed our transgressions from us in Jesus Christ. And those you called, you justified. And those you justified, you glorified, Lord. All from the beginning of the world, from before the foundations of the world, we praise you and thank you. Thank you so much for what we have in Jesus. And now, Lord, as we move toward a time of remembering this Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us, would you warm our affections toward you? Would you help us to feel the love that you had for us? And would you help us to love you back as we share in the emblems of your broken body and your shed blood? We ask this in your precious name.